Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. I was out in the Kingdom this morning, out high in the high deserts of Oregon before the sun rose, uh, trying to uh, move some water before the uh, mosquitoes woke up. And uh, it was a cool morning, and the sun came up very red. And I thought of the uh, old adage, uh, uh, it's actually, you, you find it in a number of places. It's supposed to be a seaman, uh, uh, red sky in the morning, sailor be warning. But uh, uh, out here, be red sky in the morning, shepherd be warning. And uh, I thought I would talk today about something that has been circulating through the network, the Living Network, which all of you should be a member of, uh, which you can join at hisholychurch.org. And we've been talking about the price of wheat. I notified people uh, months and months ago that uh, it, we were in a very precarious position in this country because we used to have six years' supply of grain in silos stored for emergencies. Uh Every year, that was what you had, uh, and this had been accumulated through a government policy. It should be a kingdom policy, not through the government, th- through the individuals networking together in faith, hope, and charity, and love. And the way you would do that is you would uh, know other farmers within the network of the kingdom who are seeking the kingdom and the righteousness of God, And uh, when they had crops that were bulk crops, uh, bumper crops, and the price would be dropping because all this grain would be going on the market and there'd be so much an abundance of it as uh, they began to harvest in Texas and moved up through uh, Kansas and into the Dakotas, this huge grain being produced in the fall of the year or sometimes other grains, depending on what kind it is. But uh, these bumper crops cause the price to drop because there's a huge surplus. Well, Christians would say, let's buy extra grain. We'll buy it from these farmers and we'll put it into our uh, storage bins near the church or uh, near in our own homes. You can easily store 500 pounds uh or four. Oh, we got a call. Uh, Gregory, I'm calling to say I'm not getting on the talk show. It's not accepting the code. Um, I don't think you're using the right code. <laughs> uh, talk show's in another hour. <laughs> Give that a try. Uh, okay. Uh, the... Uh, we have a talk show right after this show, uh, and you have to have a code to get on. Uh, and uh, some, uh, because of time changes, because people are spread out all over the country, uh, uh, that talk show would be uh, uh, a good time to uh, talk in a conversational way about some of these things with the other contact ministers across the country or almost anybody. Uh, the information on that is sent out through uh, the Deer Network and uh, Living Network newsletters which you get if you join the network. Anyway, uh, the grain that we're dealing with that would normally be stored in these big silos back uh, 20, 30 years ago, 
out on the farms would then be sold back into uh, circulation when the prices uh, uh, started going back up again. And what the government was doing was buying the grain at a given price, a going rate, from the farmers that allowed him to have the capital to reinvest, to live, to feed his family, to pay his bills. And then when there weren't bumper crops, they could sell that commodity back into circulation. That program was ended by the Nixon administration and nothing has been put in place. So now that you can actually go and buy these silos and use them to put up summer homes uh, full of airheaded uh, people who aren't thinking <laughs> kingdom because there is no surplus in the United States. And I've been telling people for months and months, uh, for years, that we were down to a six-month supply. Well, talking to someone who makes his living observing this sort of uh, uh, problem of supply and demand, uh, seed industry, uh, told me, uh, I actually, I talked to him again yesterday, and there's only 32 days supply of uh, grain in the pipeline worldwide. And this is because we've gone to global uh, markets and when you're not harvesting wheat here in the United States, uh, you would be harvesting wheat down in Argentina because they're on the other end of the globe and the other uh, season. So you always have somebody harvesting grain, so you're always buying grain here, buying grain there to keep providing this flow of grain to the bread uh, makers, pasta makers, uh, feed markets, and everybody has a regular uh, supply of grain. Uh, that's very efficient, very clever way of not being overextended. You don't have a lot of money invested in huge uh, surpluses and, and uh, storage houses. But it's a very stupid, foolish way to provide food for an entire planet. Because occasionally crops fail. And that's what's been happening is crops have been failing in uh, the southern hemisphere, uh, in Poland, in um, uh, Italy. Sometimes it's because it's too much water. Sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes uh, planting in some areas was 30% down over the previous year because of low prices. There's been a skyrocketing price of grain back in 2008. And then... Uh, a lot of people planted, so then there was this huge surplus, and then the bottom drops out of the market. So a bushel of uh, wheat was selling for uh, sometimes as low as $3 a bushel, or 3 something a bushel, but uh, the price was hovering around $4 a bushel. Well, it was around $4 a bushel back 40 years ago when I was uh, on the farm uh, uh, running uh, combines and... Uh, and uh, working on wheat farms in North Dakota. That uh, changed uh, as far as the cost of producing that grain. Uh, fuel is up. Machinery is up. And uh, so the farmer has to produce a huge amount per farmer in order to make ends meet. 
because there's very little profit margin. So when the price of grain goes up, it's good for him. He wants to produce more. He wants to plant more. But when it's down like this, he can barely make a living. So he's looking for something else to do with his farmland. Well, if he doesn't grow wheat, you're going to have a shortage the next year. Then you're going to have this price increase. Well, that's sort of what's happened. There was a 30% drop in planting. There's been these crop failures. And uh, so anyway, when we published this, grain was around $4 uh, a bushel. And uh, now it's it's peaked over $8 a bushel. In just a few weeks, uh, Russia has closed its door to exports because they've had a huge drought there. They don't know if the drought's going to go uh, farther into uh, their uh, fall plantings. Uh, so there may be less plantings. There's huge amounts of farm ground in, in Russia that is not being used because of uh, leftover uh, reaction to perestroika. Uh, they do have other commodities and crops, but even those, such as potatoes, depend heavily on um, uh, the uh, uh, weather. Now, the re- one of the reasons I brought this up Originally, besides the fact that there is no surplus uh, for uh, people to depend on if there is a uh, failure of crops in a number of areas, is because we're entering solar max. There will be lots of weather changes. We've already seen that. There were 90-mile-hour winds in a valley just south of us. Uh, We got reports of uh, corn crops being blown down by 70-mile-an-hour winds in the Dakotas. Uh, These don't happen everywhere, but you start having enough of these incidences and you really start running short of what you would have available for you to buy. The cost of grain or the price of grain is going to affect the price of meat. It's going to affect the price of almost other, other, every other commodity because they're so important in our, not only our diet, but in our whole economic situation. So, I wrote an article, No Bread in the Land, and I sent it out to News Reviews, and, and they haven't published it yet. It should go out probably in the middle of the week. I was hoping it would go in, out last week, but because uh, the price of grain has almost doubled since then, at least 70% higher since I wrote that that article to go out there. Now, the people on the Living Network already have ordered grain. Uh, I know of shipments of 2,500 pounds that have gone uh, to one church. Uh, and they got it at the old price, uh, which was uh, $15 uh, a bag uh, for double cleaned, uh, produced for human uh, consumption type grain. If since then the price has gone up 70%, you probably aren't going to get that same bag for less than 20 or 25 or more dollars. And uh, so the sources of these things are are decreasing on the Living Network. We're encouraging the contact ministers to find sources in their own area. You can store about 45 pounds of grain in your in a uh, in a five gallon bucket. Uh, that'd be about four dollars and uh, four pounds or four and a half pounds in a one gallon uh, uh, plastic jar. Uh, 450 pounds in a 50 gallon barrel. 
And that would get a family through a year. It would create that buffer. And, of course, we can go back in biblical history and see when people didn't do this, how there was famine in the land. And whole uh, statuses and situations of, and relationships of the people with their government changed because of shortages of grain or someone controlling the price of grain or the supply of grain. That's how they went into bondage in Egypt to begin with. Now, of course, in America and most nations, everybody's in bondage of Egypt already, if you've been listening to our broadcast. But uh, the reality is, is this gave the tyrant more and more control if he has a hold of your source of food. And, and that's what's likely to happen in this country because... We have not been seeking the kingdom, which is the responsibility of government. The responsibility of government is not voting for somebody else to take the responsibility of government out of your hands. The responsibility of government is taking care of that business yourselves. And that's why I mentioned that you don't want to go to the Pharaoh and say, Hey, Pharaoh... You buy grain for the next seven years, store it up, and then we will come to you for grain when we need it. Because that's how they went into the bondage of Egypt. You be the Pharaoh. You store up grain. Every congregation, every family should have a larder in their house, a closet in their house. If they got too much clothes, chuck out some of those extra clothes, put it in bags in the attic, and store foods that are easily preserved. Now, you're not going to fill it full of lettuce because that's not going to keep. So you fill it full of things like grain, like rice, like uh, you could even use canned goods, but dry goods are really good for storing for long periods of time. Every family should do that. It's just the cheapest insurance you'll ever buy. And when the policy runs out, you can eat it. You can buy chickens and feed it to the chickens. Uh, the point is, is it's a great investment. It's a good sense investment. And looking at the events that are happening around the world, it is foolish not to do that. And I'll tell you one of the things that it will do is it will increase the cost of grain. If everybody, uh, of course, not everybody listening right now, but if, if tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people were to go out and start purchasing grain, suddenly... What would happen? The price of grain would go up. And that's okay because you would have that commodity. Now, if you've been doing that for the last year, if you've been doing that, you know, uh, six weeks ago when we first started telling people about this, you could get all that grain at a low, low price. Uh, if you start doing it now, that price is going to be higher. If you wait till next month, it may be way higher. Uh, it may not even be available. But right now, America is having a tremendous bumper crop, even though they didn't plant as much as they normally should have. The crops are coming in. There are crops that have been damaged, but that happens every year. If that happens again, and the next year, and the next year, it's not a matter of how much grain costs, how much bread costs. It's a matter of whether it will even be on the shelf. Now, those of you who have been seeking the kingdom, seeking to be in the world but not of the world, have to realize that if there is those kinds of shortages, you will see soldiers at Safeway the same as you see soldiers 
in the airports. And you will not be allowed in that store unless you show them your government ID. And if you have been a foolish virgin, then you the door should be shut to you. <laughs> you will be in a lot of trouble. And those of you who understand what I mean by the foolish virgin in, in the biblical reference, it's those people who just danced around and thought they were in the kingdom and they thought they were going to the wedding feast and they weren't being doers of the word. So, what are you going to do about it? Well, that's why we created the Living Network, so that other people that are waking up can get together and work together. Everybody doesn't know. They say, well, where am I going to get grain? Where am I going to get this? Where am I going to get that? Uh, well, they're already working on that. They're already looking into that in their local areas. And you need to be helping them do that. Because grain is not the only thing. Now, I'll tell you a side effect of buying several hundred pounds of grain and putting it in a closet in a back corner somewhere in a nice, dark, cool place in a dry container properly stored. And then taking from that store and grinding your own grain. You can get a little hand grinder, put it up somewhere, and you can grind the grain for bread in a couple of minutes. Grain should be ground a few minutes before you start making into bread. Because as soon as you grind it, enzyme actions start taking place. Oils begin to become exposed to uh, bacteria, which will cause the, the uh, oils to start to become rancid. And so it's very important that you do that and... Uh, uh, then produce your bread because you'll get the most nutritious bread that way. It won't be bleached with chemicals. It won't be, uh, you'll know the source of the grain itself, especially if you buy from people that are in the living network who have researched this or maybe in the network themselves and grew it themselves. You need to uh, get closer to your food source so that you get a more nutritional food source. It's healthier for your family. It's healthier for the community. And so that's a, that's a side effect of taking the responsibility of looking for your food source and providing your food source and storing the surplus that you may need to get through hard times. Uh, there are so much more on this subject that I could tell, but... Uh, uh, I'm not going to go into it in great detail except for the fact that people need to wake up. Now, here's other commodities that are going to become in short supply if these kinds of disasters continue to befall the world. And that is medicines. What kind of medicines do you need? Well, a lot of you think you need all kinds of medicines you probably don't need. There's probably a better way to uh, deal with uh, health issues than many of the people in America are doing. Now, I'm sure some of the people that are listening are already looking at alternatives and studying and finding out how uh, to keep a healthy body. The reality is, is the pharmaceutical industry is running the medical associations and their interest is in addicting you to drugs that cost great deals of money because that provides them with a great deal of money. The reality is, is there are many miraculous ways in which you can find cures and healing that are absolutely not only inexpensive, but are sometimes virtually free. 
And that's another thing that we will share through the Living Network. And we will teach people how to do and teach people how it works. People don't realize that the kingdom of heaven was a superior system. And there was information going around in the early church that you are completely unaware of. Those of you who have read some of our books, have, uh, which are very iconoclastic in their approach, they're also full of information you just will not hear other places. Well footnoted, well researched. But the reality is, is that those who were seeking the kingdom, which was another jurisdiction, and uh, a living network of people, it wasn't confined to one geographical location. It was wherever the feet of Abraham went, which was the faithful, because Abraham was a man of faith. Those men who would live by faith, hope, and charity began to learn things that were forgotten, actually excluded from your knowledge. Because they are the things that make your society stronger, healthier, uh, more flexible in hard times, uh, more of a living organism. That's what your network is. Each of you, each of your families are a cell group within that organism, operating and functioning in the world, but not of the world. Yes, we pray to God, but we also, because we have the character of Christ, we help one another out. Uh, everybody says, well, God will sustain us. Well, if you are not working to sustain your neighbor because you love your neighbor as much as yourself, why would God help you? Why would you be considered the brethren of God, the brethren of Christ? He says, he who does the, does the will of my Father, well... You pray to the Father for help, and people in the network seeking the kingdom help you because they have the character of the Father in their hearts. Those that have share with those that don't. It's not a welfare state. We don't give to everyone. Talking uh, to uh, the seed producer that uh, yesterday... Uh, he was asking some questions about uh, what do you do if you have food stored up for your family that will get you through a year, maybe even two years of hard times. And your neighbors who did not have the sense to store up and did not have the sense to provide for that rainy day or that drought. They come to your house and say, we don't have any food. Will you share with us? Will you share? How will you answer that question? Because you know, if, if I share with all these people, soon I will have nothing. And we will all be hungry. So that's a dilemma that a lot of people are going to face because a very small number of people actually are storing up there expecting the government to provide the industry. They believe nothing will happen. The fact is, sometimes shift happens. Things change. And you need to be prepared for those changes. And when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom, we'll talk about some more of those things that you can do to seek the kingdom, which is the place of ultimate preparedness.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're talking about no bread in the land. Uh, of course, that's uh, taken from Genesis 47:13, and there was no bread in the land. For the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. The reality is, is that weather changes throughout the world have taken place time and time again in history. There was rivers like the Thames that froze over because of a mini ice age that took place, partially due to Gulf Streams uh, not bringing the warm water up to uh, the uh, fjords of Norway. And this would affect uh, crops all the way across Europe. Uh, people went without food. Uh, people suffered. Uh, the idea that this can happen in the global economy is not something that you should doubt. The reality is that there's not enough bread, several things will happen. Not enough grain to make that bread. Several things will happen. There will be a rush to buy more than anyone could ever need. Uh, people, this is what a few, about a year or so ago, ammunition disappeared off the shelves uh, everywhere. There was a glitch in the supply and demand where there was suddenly a shortage uh, due to major contracts that were suddenly gobbling up certain amounts of ammunition, and then suddenly everybody was buying. There are people going out and filling up whole garages full of ammunition because they were afraid there wasn't going to be any. And this, of course, created a massive shortage because of the fact that the producers could not produce it fast enough to meet this increased demand. And so... The same thing can happen with things like grain and bread and, and food sources. And this will, of course, drive prices up. By us saying you should be stocking up, which is something we've been saying for years, uh, not because you're paranoid, but just because it makes good sense. Remember back in the 50s and the early 60s when the government said it's a good idea that we have a grain reserve, just like an oil reserve. Except the oil's already there in the ground, the grain has to be produced. So we would have this grain reserve, and they said, we will go to the farms and buy this extra surplus grain during the bumper crops. They'll store it right there on the farm. We'll lock up the bin. We know how much is in it. We bought it for this amount, and then that farmer can buy it back from us at just a slight increase. And uh, they did that. When there was poor crops and uh, they didn't produce as much and the price started to rise up a little bit. This kept the price pretty constant for a number of years because whenever the, there was a shortage, the price would go up. But then we moved to this global economy. Now, there used to be grain buyers all over. We have a grain buyer, uh, Vince, who's in our network uh, and uh, he used to buy, you know, grain by the millions of pounds and, and cargo loads, you know, whole uh, uh, barges loaded with grain. Uh, and those grain buyers were slowly squeezed out by bigger and bigger grain buyers. And now that whole system of selling grain, beans, anything, 
is all controlled by major corporations whose bottom line is profit. You have let this happen because you have not come together. Remember, Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there also I am. That doesn't mean you just get to go to a potluck on Sunday or Sabbath and say, well, hey, I'm in church. No, it's gathering for every aspect of your life. So, every congregation should become a buying club. Every congregation of congregations should be a buying club. There is no difficulty whatsoever to dialing up somebody in Montana or Pennsylvania or wherever, uh, or Oklahoma or Texas, wherever there is grain or beans or whatever farm commodity is grown, and saying, I would like to order a semi-load of grain. Well, you can't do that. Your closet's not big enough. But if you were in a congregation, no problem. If you were in a congregation of congregation in the network, you would simply, everybody, how much grain do we going to need for next year? Because the crop's coming in. It's a bumper crop. People would store up. They would store up a year, two years. Pharaoh stored up seven years. And he stored up seven years because God said, hey, store up seven years. So what would that mean? How big a closet do you need for seven years of grain? Well, if your family was eating a loaf of bread a day, that's about 400 pounds of grain. Now, if you're going to add pasta into that, well, that's more. You know, noodles, spaghetti, that's all grain. So you've got to have about 400. You can go on the net and there's a, there's some place where they... They show how much every family in different areas of the world would eat in a given year. And they're sitting there in a room, and they have out in front of them all the food that this family would consume in a given year. You know, and over in Africa, there's a pile of millet and and little tiny vegetables and stuff like this. You go down to Mexico, there's about uh, 100 liters of pop. (laughs) You go to parts of the United States, there's a stack of frozen pizzas about three feet high. And this is everything that family would consume in a given year. You go to Poland and there are lots of vegetables. You go to uh, China and there's a lot of big bags of rice and some vegetables. But this is what that family would consume in a given year. Most people have no idea how much that is. And, of course, you can't put everything in your closet. Like I said, the lettuce isn't going to keep. But... The stuff that does, that lends itself to keeping through the time, hard times and famine, is easily stored in a single closet for a family. You know, uh, five gallon buckets stacked up to the ceiling. Uh, two, two stacks, so you're talking huge amounts of food source. Uh, you know, gallon jugs filled with rice. And you should be eating from that. That's the rice you would be consuming during the year. And as long as you could continue to replace that, you know, okay, this container is empty. Let's buy some new and we rotate it to the back. That's kingdom thinking. It's not paranoia. It's taking the responsibility for the food stores for your family. And you should have another closet over here. in another part of the house where you store extra stuff for your neighbor or for the traveler 
or for your sons and daughters who might have to come home when they lost a job and they lost, their house was foreclosed on. You should have that surplus. If everybody had that surplus, the whole nation would be a stronger, healthier place. A safer place. I know of people who are buying all kinds of ammunition and guns, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition. That they've accumulated, that, you know, a thousand rounds for every gun, etc., etc., that they have in the house. You know, my son always joked uh, when he was growing up, you only need one. <laughs> but uh, the reality is, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, it's just about protection. It's about safety. It's about not being uh, weak, you know. Uh, I've got uh, several uh, radio programs coming up. I'll be on uh, Ultimate Remedy uh, tomorrow. And uh, I'll be on another uh, radio show, Paul Revere Radio, I think, uh, on the 10th. And uh, I also have some podcasts there. You can go to our website and hear uh, some of the podcasts uh, where I was on a pacifist radio station or podcast. And you should, they they will give you the uh, idea that, yes, you're responsible. If people say, oh, I would never own a gun, but they call the police. Well, you're only calling the police because they own a gun. You have to take the responsibility back for your family, for yourselves. You have to be kings in your own castle. You cannot be a king in your own castle if you're expecting the pharaoh to put up stockpiles for you in time of famine. You need to be doing that, and you need to be doing it in a way in which you're thinking not only about yourself, but for others. So get all those toys that you got stacked up in that closet, clean those out, and start providing for the necessities of your family as if you were the king of the castle. And the responsibility of getting your family through hard times is resting upon your shoulders. Not upon some other person's shoulders 3,000 miles away. You have to take charge of your life or you will not be free. And you have to do it in a way that Christ would do it where you are concerned about your neighbor as much as you are concerned about yourself. And so you want to encourage your neighbors to stock up too. And this is by coming together in congregations. The whole point of the Living Network is to get you to come together in local congregations without forgetting about other congregations throughout the network. That is absolutely essential. Now, the whole point of tyrants is to get you to forget about everybody else and just focus on him. heard a pastor the other day who was talking to us. Oh, well, Rome went to... Emperor worship. Well, worship is paying attention to, looking to, seeking answers from them. And that's exactly what people have done. The election of presidents today is emperor worship. Because the spirit that moves people to looking to, this guy's going to save me, this guy's going to be the solution, this guy's going to be my salvation. On this earth. Well, Christ was their salvation on this earth. 
He said, you guys have to feed one another. John the Baptist saying the same thing. Those that have share with those that don't have. Within this network of people who are seeking the weightier manners of law, judgment, and mercy, seeking the righteousness of God in all their actions. Governments today everywhere in the world are not righteous. They are unrighteous. They are based on being benefactors who exercise authority one over the other, yet calling themselves these benefactors. And Christ said it's not to be that way with you, yet there you are saying you're a Christian in this government that operates by forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Where the Pharaoh puts up your storehouse and guards your storehouse because it's not your storehouse, it's his storehouse. And you must bow down to the Pharaoh and serve the Pharaoh because you haven't taken the responsibility to be the king of your own castle. And you need to make alliances with others. And those alliances aren't based on contract, covenants, and constitutions. It's based on faith, hope, and charity, which is love. This is, the kingdom message is simple, but don't be a simpleton in the exercise of kingdom principles. Be as wise as the serpent, as harmless as a dove, as wise as the Pharaoh was when he listened to Joseph. He didn't know what was coming. Joseph did. And Joseph said, because his brothers didn't listen to him, <laughs> they threw him into a pit. They abandoned him. But the Pharaoh said, this guy knows his stuff. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to stockpile grain for seven years supply. And evidently, not only for his own household, but enough to supply people from all over. And he was becoming wealthier and wealthier. Those people who come to your door and say, oh, we didn't stock up. We don't have any food. And they say, well, what do you got? It's not a welfare state. What, what do you have? Well, you're not going to come through this famine saying, well, you get to keep all your stuff. I'll just give you free food to eat because you were a stupid idiot and didn't stock up. When I told you this was coming, like Dr. Who says, I, ha I, I hate to tell you I told you so, but I, I, I told you so. <laughs> That's uh, The reality is, is you're going to have to wake up. You're going to have to take that responsibility. And you're going to have to do it with the love and caring of Christ. And the reason you don't have your rights today is because you have failed to accept your responsibilities. You've said somebody else will take care of that. And you have to stop that. In the article, uh, No Bread in the Land, uh, which should appear on, should have appeared already on News of Views, it would have saved people lots of money. <laughs> uh, but uh, we talk about a number of things, uh, you know, uh, that came about over the centuries. Uh, how uh, the rise of the emperors actually was based on the fact that uh, they were able to control the price of grain. And uh, it was Lucius uh, Saturnanus, uh, you know, like the Temple of Saturn. You know, that's where you uh, are, uh, went and registered your children, your birth certificates. Uh, 
because that's where a lot of your benefits would come through these temples. These are just government buildings. Uh, they weren't all full of as much superstition as our modern churches often are. They were practical uh, places that drew the people in times of need. And uh, uh, it's an amazing system of temples. And a lot of people haven't figured it out yet. Because in order to figure it out, you have to figure out what's going on in the world today. If you realize what those Roman temples were like, you'd realize that every one of you go to a Roman temple on a regular basis. Uh, because you're more Roman than you are Christian. But in 87 B.C., uh, Marius and Sula uh, used Rome's dependence on imported food, which is mostly uh, grains, to destroy the remains of the Republic institutions, opening a door to tyrants. Though the rise of Pom- uh, through the rise of Pompey and Caesar, these men weren't completely ogres, but they were tempted by the power that people were vesting in them on a day-to-day basis. Pompey was uh, quite an honorable man of law, a little bit hot-headed at times, uh, very stubborn, but he's a general. What'd you expect? But uh, he. And eventually Caesar were tempted by power and took that power. And the death of the Republic was a reality before it was realized. The same thing has gone on in the United States because we're dealing with the same human nature. Christ is the only king that really came to set men free. Even Moses was tempted to exercise authority one over the other. Certainly David was. David repented. Saul did not. The destiny of people who stray from the ways of God is already written. It's predestined. But it's predestined by your choice. And your choice is not an intellectual one. It's one of the heart, of the mind, of the soul. You accept the character of Christ into your heart So that his character becomes your character. And the power of Christ will begin to flow through you. If you're full of resentment and anger and selfishness. Pride. There's no room in you for the character of Christ. Therefore, there's no room in you for the power of Christ. You might be able to produce a miracle or two. The devil is not beyond that power. And he wants to keep you deceived. In spirit and truth. Great signs and wonders. Many people think they're working in Christ's name. But they're actually delivering people farther from Christ. Because they're not requiring the character of Christ in their day-to-day life. The kingdom requires the character of Christ in your day-to-day life. Or it won't work. A system based on faith, hope, and charity will not work unless you are actually charitable yourself. You can't be forgiven unless you forgive. It doesn't matter how many times Christ dies on the cross. You're not forgiven unless you forgive. Forgive that my Father may forgive you. Give so that my Father may be given unto you. My Father's blessings. Bless others as you wish to be blessed. But that requires involvement 
in day-to-day life, in a day-to-day spirit and character of Christ, where you take on the responsibility of being the government instead of looking to the government for your salvation. The kingdom of God is when you are ruled by God and live according to His Word. All of Israel was by faith, hope, and charity. That's how the government operated. People said, oh, well, tithing was mandatory. Well, (laughs) yeah. Good sense is mandatory. Love is mandatory. But you don't have to love. I ended the uh, article with uh, a quote from uh, Edward Deming. It is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. We need to change. We need to be changed in the character of Christ. We need to be changed in a way in which we will become a blessing to our neighbors and to our families and to our community. Instead of living and taking a bite out of one another through the agency of benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. We need to seek the kingdom. The churches today are devoid of the message of the gospel of the kingdom. They are often full of self-righteousness and denominational divisionary thinking. The, The gospel is simple. It doesn't mean you just believe in Jesus because most of you don't know who Jesus was. Oh, he was God. But what does that mean? You only know God if you know the character of God. And you only know the character of God when the character of God is in you. And many of you are beginning to sense that. You say, I I don't want the benefit. I don't want to look to that. I was told to look to that, but I, I don't look to that. You'll find more Christians amongst people paying their taxes without question than you will amongst many of the tax protesters who don't want to share with anybody, who don't want to contribute to anybody. This message must go out to the whole world. Two reasons. One is they need to hear it to make a choice to follow the ways of Christ. And two, so when the day of reckoning come, they can't say, I didn't know. I said, well, wait a minute. I sent Brother Gregory, he told you. I sent Brother Paul, he told you. I sent Brother Jeffrey in Carolinas, he told you. We have to get this message out. We have to do it because God gave us that message. He's written it in our hearts and our minds. I've written it in books. Now we have to get that message out because if we keep it, if we bury that talent, that blessing that God has given us, He won't give us any more. The more we give this out to others, the more we spread the message of the true gospel of the kingdom of God is at hand, the more God will give to us in return. Not that I need that much, but He'll also give us more responsibilities, more sharing, more ways in which to manifest His character. So I want everybody to wake up. 
look about you and say, am I seeking the kingdom of heaven? Am I following the ways of Christ? Am I doing what Christ said to do? Because he says, "If why do you say you love me if you don't keep my commandments? And the fact is, I don't know hardly a church in existence that keeps his commandments. I know there's a lot of people who have uh, think they've escaped the system, but I don't see them in the kingdom. And that's what we must do. We must turn around, repent, and seek the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. God bless. Peace in your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.